There is one question I always ask the people I interview for this podcast at one point or another when we discuss, and that question is, do you feel ashamed of what happened? It sounds a bit provocative to talk about shame, given that I interview people who went through a difficult, sometimes very painful breakup. Most of the time, they didn't want that breakup to happen, especially if they were caught off guard or cheated on. Yet, I ask the same question every time, did you feel shame when it was all over? Here's why I always mention it. When we experience a difficult breakup, we are pushed to reevaluate the choices that we made and question our decisions. Because we have to go through that process while we're in pain, while we are sad and sometimes lonely, this makes it a lot more complicated, especially if we have to go through this again and again, maybe after several unsuccessful relationships. That is typically when that little voice in our head kicks in and tells us that we failed, that there must be something wrong with us, that we fucked it up once again, that we're flawed and unable to maintain a connection with another human being. Do you remember feeling like this after a breakup? Well, I certainly do. And that is exactly where shame comes from. American social researcher Brene Brown describes shame as the intensely painful feeling of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. That's where the danger is, because love and belonging both give purpose and meanings to our lives. We simply cannot be happy without them. One efficient way to avoid shame, especially when it comes to heartaches, is self-compassion. Acknowledging that being imperfect doesn't mean being unworthy. The people who decide to tell their stories on this podcast have been through difficult times and a lot of pain most of the time. Yet they are not afraid to show themselves as vulnerable beings. They're not hiding their pain like a dirty secret. They show a great example of self-compassion. They are reaching out to all of us, totally exposed maybe fearing to be judged or criticized, yet they're still doing it. They're showing us that there is no shame in sharing the pain. They allow us all to reflect and relate. We all feel sometimes unworthy or ashamed of not being better than we are. So this is the answer. This is the solution. Connection and self-compassion. They can actually shut down shame. And this is really what the purpose of this podcast is. I repeat it once again to create empathy and remind us that whoever we are, wherever we are, we are not that different when it comes to love and pain. We don't always succeed, but we try our best. And even if it's painful at times, that is enough. Kristen and Justin had to try hard to keep their relationship strong over the years. They believed in what they had and managed to go through a lot to stay together. But after so many efforts, when things started to be easier in appearance, this is exactly when they became more complicated. In 2011, it was my first year living in Edinburgh where I wasn't living in halls. I'd made friends on my course at university, so I wasn't looking for a boyfriend or anything. It was just enjoying my time. I was also looking forward to the next year because in the beginning of 2012 I was going to Australia to study for a semester so I was really looking forward to that and yeah just kind of enjoying and enjoying my last semester before I went away I guess. The first time I met Justin I'd gone on a girls night out with a few girls from university and then we got there and one of the girls was like oh I've invited some friends from home and two guys turn up and we're like 
this is a girls' night out kind of, this goes against our plan. So I was a bit pissed off, really. Um, And both the guys were really nice, just chatting to them. Didn't think much of it. It wasn't kind of love at first sight or an instant spark there. I just thought, oh, you know, two nice guys to chat to. Um, And to be honest, the next day, couldn't remember his name <laughs> and we, we chatted and I said where I worked and and this was on the Saturday night so on the Sunday I was going to see my niece and I'd not seen her for a while my sister taking photos of me my niece was a baby at the time so it was me kind of cradling my my niece and so I changed my Facebook picture and um the next week he added me on Facebook and he said oh I heard you had a daughter but I didn't think it was true just kind of making a joke out of it clearly knowing it was my niece and then asked like did you have a nice day at work I was like, oh, that, that's sweet that he's asking these questions. And then from there, yeah, we just started chatting on Facebook and we exchanged phone numbers. And it was only, you know, a few weeks later, he's like, oh, do you want to go on a date? And I was like, oh, OK, then. So we went on a date and it was really nice. And at that point, I was like, no, actually, I do quite like him. And clearly, if he's asked me on a date, he must like me too. Um, and we, we kissed. And I remember going um, on the bus home and I messaged our mutual friend, and she's like, yeah, I know already. And I was like, what? And he messaged her, like, the second I've left the flat. And I, so by the time I got on the bus, I messaged her, like, she already knew. Um, so I just kind of went from there and we started spending more and more time together. He was very confident and seemed very sure of himself. And I quite liked that. And he just... He seemed interested in me, I guess, and he was, you know, would ask questions, want to know about me and my family and my likes and dislikes and things like that. So showed a really interesting, was keen and you know, won me over, obviously. <laughs> there had been some conversations about me leaving. Um, and obviously he was like, oh, I wish you weren't having to go. And I was like, well... I've paid for it, I'm going. <laughs> it's through university I'm going to study. Like This is why, you know, it's the reason I picked that university was because I could go and exchange. So, you know, I wasn't going to change my mind for anyone. So we'd had discussions about it, but we said, well, we'll just spend time together. We're enjoying each other's company. We'll just continue doing that and we'll worry about it nearer the time. You regret the things that you don't do more than the things you do do often. So it was, I, I didn't want to spend the next few months of occasionally seeing him just being a friend when we knew that there was something more there um, but we, we managed to make it work and we had such a good kind of few six months together before I left and then it got to the Christmas time and he was going back home so he's Canadian so he was going back home for Christmas so this was kind of our I guess a trial of what it was going to be like if we were going to be apart but we spoke every day we were sending each other like really really long emails um, and like Facebook messages and then we like on Christmas day we Skyped each other and I said hi to his family and he said hi to mine kind of thing so it was it was quite serious quite soon and I remember when he was away he sent me a message being like oh I know that you're going to be leaving but I want you to be my girlfriend but with the time difference I didn't read it for hours <laughs> so I kind of left him hanging for a bit um, and then when he came back we were like right let's just try this um and it was at this point that we said we loved each other. I remember like we both had a few quite tearful evenings. Um, and then the weekend before I was actually moving, he came to my parents' house. This was the first time that he'd probably met them and he came and stayed. Um, 
and you know we were like oh we'll just enjoy the weekend we won't get upset but kind of everything we were getting upset over and we were just like oh what if this doesn't work like what if we've made a mistake and I remember having to say goodbye and that was like the worst thing ever and then my dad was going to drive drive us to the train station because they live about 20 minutes away from the train station so got in the car you know when you just got that lump in your throat and so my dad and Justin were in the front and they were chatting just about I think it was like cross-country skiing or something something so stupid um and I was just sitting in the back and I just couldn't speak and I just thought if I try and speak I'm going to start crying um and we got to the train station my dad's just like pulls up and he's like I'll wait over here so you know we walk onto the platform and you're just looking you're like oh the train's coming like two minutes two minutes and it's just awful like um I guess the train arrived and he just got on it um there must have been like an embrace or something and I think as soon as he got on the train I just walked off because I thought I don't want to watch and as much as we'd spoken about it and said you know we're going to be fine you don't actually know at that moment but at the same time I was I was excited to be leaving so it's it was kind of I felt bad for feeling happy and excited but at the same time I wanted to stay at the same time it was very confusing When I got to Australia, I realised kind of I was kind of in two places. I, you know, I got there and it was obviously when you first get there, you're so jet lagged and just messed up. But I was just so upset that I was there and that I'd, like and I'd left Justin, I'd left all my friends. In the time, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm just tired. It's like a new situation for me. But as time went on, I realised that I was thinking a lot about the past, and that's kind of when I started worrying a lot more. We would message every day, um, but we would also email each other if we had more to say. And he'd given me like letters and like pictures and stuff, so I'd kind of decorated my board in my bedroom with that, and obviously pictures of my family and friends as well. But that was kind of pictures of him were everywhere. So like my background on my laptop and my background on my phone—it's like everything. the positives outweighed the negatives in that year. There was moments where we both probably struggled with the distance or struggled hearing stories about other people that we didn't know and you feel upset because you're far apart, but in the, the general, yeah, it was, it was a really good year. So I went back to university, I came back to Edinburgh. I wasn't looking forward to it. So I'd loved Edinburgh so much before I'd left. And then I'd been away for like six, seven months and I was coming back. And the only reason I was coming back was partly because Justin was here, but also because I felt obliged to finish university. I wasn't as happy as I was before. 
So I think he put up a lot with me. I wouldn't have put up with myself, to be honest, because I was so just... I was quite self-centred because I was just so worrying about all my own issues and I wasn't really worrying about him. So it was maybe a bit more one-sided, our relationship at that point. But we were suddenly together and it was reality again. And I think that was the first time in our relationship where we'd been together and it was, you know, we're here now for the next year together. This is happening, kind of, what do we do? And I think it, it was just a change in the dynamics to our relationship. I was, yeah, I was starting to think about the future, kind of, well, what, what's going to happen next? Um, whereas he was just quite happy to be enjoying university still. After a few months being back together in Scotland, Christine had to leave Edinburgh and move to Inverness, more than three and a half hours away. They had to deal with separation again, this time for more than a year. 15 months later exactly, Christine came back, and this is where the story continues on. the summertime I started getting a little bit suspicious of what he was doing um so he was you know for a while he was always commenting on where I was going what I was doing and then that kind of started to stop and I was like, okay but whenever I asked what he was up to he'd always be quite vague um and then it's like Like, we'd always been, like, like, I'd go to bed earlier than he would. And that was just the norm. You know, even when we lived apart, it was always that way. But then I started getting suspicious about why he was staying up late. So, and it's something like, you know, it sounds like it's from a film, but I, I looked at his phone, you know. I'd, I didn't know his pen number, but I glanced over his shoulder one day and I saw his pen number. So I looked at his phone. And um, he'd been messaging someone, but he'd put down a boy's name. And I was like, well, this is weird, because the picture is a girl. Um, and it like, flicked through the conversation, but instantly, in your gut, you're just like, this isn't right. Um, so, you know, it, this girl had said, oh, are we still going to meet up on Saturday night? And I was just like, okay. And I'd asked him earlier on the week, oh, what's, what's your plans for Saturday? And there was, he's like, oh, I don't know yet. So I got, I read this message the next day. I was like, oh, so what's your plans for Saturday? And it was, oh, I'm going to go for leaving drinks with whatever, one of his friends from work. I was like, oh, can I come? Like, I don't have any plans. It'd be really nice to like see some of your friends. I've not seen them in a while. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll let you know the details. And then later on, I was like, oh, do you, like, did you find out the details? And it was, oh, I'm going to go to the gym now. I'm not going to go to this leaving drinks. I was like, okay. And then I didn't know what to do for a few days. And I was just like, do, do I confront him? So I did. So I just said, what are you actually doing on Saturday? He said, I'm going to the gym. I was like, oh, no, you're not going to the gym. Just tell me what you're doing on Saturday. He's like, oh, I've been invited to go for a drink. I'm like, with who? He's like, oh, just a friend from work. I was like, what's her name? And he told me her name. And I was like, is anything going on between you? He was like, no, 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 of course not. He's like, how the fuck do you know? I was like, because I looked at your phone. And he just completely turned on me. Um, and it was like, why? Like, you're so paranoid. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you've got so many male friends. Like, 
why are you, why are you like concerned about who I'm friends with and stuff? And he just made me feel so guilty for looking at his phone that I was like, okay. I was like, what if, and I gave him the option. I said, you know, if there is someone else, tell me because we're meant to be going on holiday together in a few weeks. And he's like, no, there's no one else. Like, you're just being paranoid. Like, I don't think you're well. You know, you're not looking after yourself. I was like, okay, fine. Just thought, it's me. Maybe I've misread it. You know, and then I started doubting my, myself and started questioning things I'd seen. So we went to Canada together. And so this is the third time that we'd been together. So by this stage, you know, we were sitting with his grandmother and she asks, when are you getting married? Um, and at the back of my head the whole time, I'm thinking, well, I don't know what's happening anymore. Um, and it was just one day I remember watching some rubbish show on Netflix in his parents' house and he was out and I just realised I was crying. And I can't remember the show, but whatever it was, it was like the main character realised that her and her boyfriend weren't going to work out and she's just sitting there crying. And I'm sitting there crying and I'm thinking, no, 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 I'm just being silly. Like, it's just, you know, it's just hot. You know, it's the heat getting to you. And I just kept giving myself excuses for every time I felt kind of uncertain about where the relationship was going. And then it got to the end of August and I remember because I got my wisdom teeth out so I got two wisdom teeth out so my face was completely swollen so I was kind of high on painkillers and the next day Justin's like oh I'm going to go out with my friend today you know I won't be late and so he left at like 4pm in the afternoon and then it got to like midnight and I messaged me like are you coming home? nothing messaged again message again like it was phoning by this point it's like 3am and I'm phoning and he's just like leave me alone like stop being so demanding stop being so questioning and I just want to know where you are and he didn't come home until like 3pm the next day so he was gone for 24 hours pretty much um and he came back and I was so upset I was just like you could have been dead in a ditch like that's you know a rational fear I guess but you you always worry that kind of stuff and he just turned it on me being like, you're being paranoid, you're worrying too much. He's like, I was just with my friends, like we, we had a bit too much to drink, you know, we'd smoked a bit, we we just passed out. I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me that? He said, oh, because you would be mad. And I was like, he was like, this isn't working. And just like told me that he didn't think that we should be together anymore. And so I phoned my mum, burst into tears and told her what had happened. She's like, right, you're going to come home this weekend. We're going to look after you. But then on that Friday when I was going home, he met me at the train station. He assured me that everything was going to be fine, that we, I was going to come back on Monday and we were going to have sorted it all out. And he just had like a moment where he was homesick and he just freaked out. So I went home and I spoke to my mum about it and she was like, well, you know, do you still love him? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. She said, well, you know, it's just a, it's a minor issue to just try again. So So we tried again. I went back on the Monday and we instantly just fell back into the same routine of me doing everything, him going out with his friends, questioning where I was going. But when I questioned where he was going, it was kind of defensive. By that stage, and it sounds stupid, I was like, oh, I don't want this to end because what am I going to do? All my life, well, not all my life, but all like the past few years have just been leading to this moment of us being together. Now we're together, I shouldn't throw it away. Which is stupid to think, really, because that was like... You know, I'm so independent, but to suddenly 
be relying on someone else. It seemed like now, obviously, I realised it was stupid. Um, But at the time, I think he just, he knew how to get me. And he knew, like, the things to say. So then it got to mm, the end of September and he needed to get some new glasses. We're like, we'll we'll go into town and we'll go um, do that. So we were walking around and I remember I tried to to hold his hand and he just turned around and he's like, I don't want to hold hands. I was like, why? Because I don't like holding hands. I was like, we've been together almost five years and I never knew you didn't like holding hands. Like, this is a first to me. He's like, yeah, I just don't like it. And it was quite standoffish and we were just walking through town and... He's like, oh, do you want to go to any more shops? And I was like, no, I just want to go home. And I was I was getting quite angry at this point. And he's like, well, what's your problem? And I just turned around. I was like, you don't make me happy? And I said it and I didn't know I was even going to say it kind of thing. It just came out. And like, oh, this is all built up. And I realised at that point, I was just like, this is obviously me being feeling this for a while. Um, so we went home and I started crying. And he's just like, I can't handle you and your drama again. And he left. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go gonna go to the park like just out like across the road so if you calm down you can come join me kind of thing and then I phoned my best friend and I just said to her like oh like I don't like I don't really know what's what I'm feeling she said well like go go speak to him go speak to him so I like put my book in my bag and I was like oh I'll I'll go like sit with him just you know if he doesn't want to talk then I'll just sit next to him so I went to the park which is literally 90 second walk from the flat And he's sitting there in the park with this girl that I'd seen back in June on his phone. And he's sitting there and he's lying down with like his head on her bag. They were like deep in conversation and I sat on a bench so close to them and they just didn't notice me. They were just in their own little world. And at that point I just started shaking and I just like, I knew that something wasn't right. So I walked over and it's probably the calmest I've ever been in my whole entire life. Just this wave of calm just came over to me and I just said, hi, I'm Kristen, who are you? And she introduced herself and I said, can I speak to you, Justin? And he's like, I'm busy right now. And I was like, well, are you going to come home? He's like, no, I'm busy. I was like, no, I really need to speak to you right now. And he's a couple of feet away from her. I just said, who is she? He's like, oh, it's just a friend from work. I'm like, no, she's not just a friend from work. Like, tell me the truth. Are you with her? And he's like, no. And he's like, I can't deal with you. Like, you're just making stuff up. You're being so paranoid. Like, and she's sitting there and like, I'm just thinking, what the fuck is going on right now? And he's like, oh, I've had enough of you. And I was just turning around. I was like, well, I've had enough of you. And I just walked off and I walked across the park and I stopped. no like I need to actually know what's going on and as I turned around she'd got up and she was screaming at him so I went back over and I just said like what is going on and I ignored him and I just spoke to the girl and she told me the truth like that they'd been chatting since May he told her that he was single and that he lived with me for convenience 
and that she'd been around to my flat several times. Um, and on Thursday nights when I'd been at college, they'd been going out on dates together. Um, there'd been a few nights where he hadn't come home and he told me he was at a friend's house and he was actually at her house. And she just turned to me, she's like, oh, like, don't worry, I'm not going to see him again. Like, and I recommend you don't. And I was like, well, obviously not now. And as she walked off, he, like, turned to me and he's like, oh, it's not true. And I was like, it is true. Like, we both know it's true. And then he started crying and telling me, like, what a mistake it was and it was like because his dad's ill and because he doesn't like his job and because he's homesick so it was the three excuses he always used so he was always ever using those three excuses or making it out like I was not well and it was me imagining it I'm not like an angry person and I just remember he had his sunglasses on his over his eyes and I just grabbed the sunglasses and I threw them on the floor and I was like, you could at least have the decency to look me in the eye and tell me the truth. People walking past, like, looking at us. And I, normally I'd be like, oh my God, people can see us. But at that moment, I was just like, no, I need to know. And I asked him everything. And he was just like, why are you asking? And I was like, I want to know, like, everything you've done with her. Like, if you've had sex with her in our bed. And, you know, and he's like, why do you need to know? And I was like, because I don't want to spend the rest of my life blaming myself. I was like, you're the one to blame and I need to have all the facts so I know it's not my fault. You know, I, I, I got everything I needed out of that conversation and I got up and left. I decided that I was going to message pretty much everyone that I cared about and tell them that night because I thought if I don't do it, I run the risk of going back to him. And I was like, if I tell them, then I've got all these people that can now stop me. It ended so quickly compared to like you know, the whole kind of getting to know each other. And it was, you know, within an afternoon and that was it, done. So it was, yeah, in, it was intense. <laughs> it always feels like it's something you read in a magazine, like a trashy magazine or you see in a film. It, it never feels like that's actually the situation you're going to be in. You know, and everyone was shocked because I hadn't told anyone about any of the issues I'd really been having. So, I, I, you know, I never told anyone the things he would say to me that, you know, he was making out that I wasn't well. I just hid that all. So everyone was thought we were, like, such a happy couple and, you know, that he was the perfect gentleman and stuff, but he wasn't, really. I'd known... Well, they'd started chatting in May, and, like, in June, when I'd seen that message, I should have pushed for it harder then... And you, I probably would have saved myself so much heartache if I'd just gone with my gut. And I think because I was so set on, you know, this is what I've always wanted, this is what I've got, I can't ruin it. And I thought I would be the one ruining it if I was the one that called him out on it. So I almost let him get away with it, you know. And every time I pushed for it, he would say, you know, make it out like it was me that was the one that was bad or the one that wasn't well. And I just let him do it. And now, you know, I regret so much for not for not being who I am, I guess. You know, in, in that period from getting, from when we'd, he'd said, oh, it's not working, in that period I just wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping properly. 
because I knew that it, it wasn't right. So I was just making myself ill. So when we did actually wake up, the shock on top of not looking after myself for the past month just knocked me and I was a mess, to be honest. Like, I got really ill and, you know, everyone was concerned for my health as well, like physical and mental health. I did just cry for like a week, but I think I just had all this emotion built up from like months that I hadn't shared, that I was suddenly like, actually I can start being honest with people now. And I think I wasn't being honest with myself and with other people. So to actually do that and to show some vulnerability to like my friends and my family, which I don't think I'd done in years. Why not? Especially, I guess, especially not when I knew something was wrong. I don't want to show to other people. I wanted everyone to think that, oh, it was all, it was all fine. And I guess I didn't want people to think I was weak. But when it happened, I realised actually vulnerability makes you more human and people can associate. And, you know, the amount of stories I heard of other people or people's friends and family that had, you know, gone through cheating experiences and stuff. Actually, it was really, it was quite comforting to know that I could share something and, you know, people had experienced it as well. And I felt guilt that I'd put myself through this, that... You know, I could have stopped it months ago and I, I didn't. I found like the first couple of weeks I'd just sit and I'd be sitting on the sofa and then I'd suddenly, oh my God, he, she sat on the sofa with him. What did they do on the sofa? And then your mind just starts racing. But I've done so much and I've just, I've put myself out there to do so much. So... I just started saying yes to everything people offered. So, you know, we're going, we're going to the pub. Do you want to come? I'm like, yes. We're going to Newcastle. Do you want to come? Yes. And I just start to do things. And then I went home and I spoke to my family. I said, well, I want to buy a flat. You know, that's what I've wanted to do. And I want to focus on that. So I then just spent kind of a month solidly, all my energy, two months even, just all my energy just going and searching for a flat. Before I knew it, like, I wasn't even thinking about him. You know, at first you're thinking about day to day and, you know, you're getting upset about it all the time. But then I realised I've been so busy focusing on the flat and, you know, doing things with my friends that there was days and then I'd suddenly be like, oh, I've not thought about him today. And then it happened quite quickly, which I was surprised, you know, when we, when I first, you know, when we first broke up, I thought, this is me, I'm, you know, never going to love again, never going to be able to do anything again. But I did bounce back really quickly. And I think that's because I've started to realise going back almost to how I was before I met him, like how independent I was. You know, if someone says, oh, Kristen, you've been through such a bad breakup, like, are you okay? Then I'm like, they want me to not be okay, so I'm going to be okay. (laughs) And kind of trying to prove to myself that, you know, he wasn't everything in my world. I guess I feel a bit more confident in myself. I was, you know, when we first broke up, I was like, no one's ever going to like me, you know. If he cheated on me, like, why would anyone like me kind of thing? Um, and I've realised that's just, that's just like, not true at all. Um, and also more aware of my, my gut instinct, I think. Now, if something doesn't feel right, I'm going to go with that. I think I'm just going to 
go like one one step at a time. You know, if I do meet someone I like, then I'll just see what happens, and I think I'll get that feeling. And if it doesn't feel right, I won't I won't pursue it or whatever. Um, I'm not too concerned because there's so many decent people out there, um, and so many you know my friends, my family are in really loving, committed relationships. So I think I, if I do ever have doubts, I just need to remind myself that it's not all shit <laughs> um, and so many people come out of it and talking to people that have been through divorce or cheating and breakups I don't really know anyone that's been through a breakup and has never found love again you know everyone does it's, it might not happen instantly or it might not be in the same form I guess but you're never going to be alone forever I find this story very powerful, especially because of what Kristen said about how she should have trusted her gut feelings in the first place. I mean, if you follow this podcast for a while, you'll know that this is a point that constantly comes back. She pushed her feelings away so far, she even ended up believing that she had a problem, that she was making things up. We were talking about shame earlier. I mean, this must have been very painful. Quick update about Kristen. One week only after we recorded that interview, she met someone thanks to a dating application. Who would have thought? She says he's exactly what she was looking for, so we can only hope they'll be happy together. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Breaking Point podcast. That was the second episode of the second season. I hope you enjoyed it. If you wish to follow this podcast on social media, it's pretty easy. Our Facebook page is called The Breaking Point Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter as well. Sorry, I don't have any sort of goodies to offer you to encourage your collaboration. I mean, I'm not sure that people would want the Breaking Point podcast t-shirt or something like that. So it would only be because of the goodness of your heart. But if you like this podcast, the best way to show it is to share it with the people you know. And if you want to share your own story, send me an email, thebreakingpointpodcast at gmail.com.